Hello, and welcome <laughs> to the Cubicorn Games Podcast. There it is. My name is Dustin Morbido. <laughs> Joining me today to talk about video games and other things, Lorraine Morbido is here. Completely innocent. Literally did nothing but exist. That's true. No, you didn't <laughs> You didn't do nothing except show up where I asked you to be. That's true. So. <laughs> How's it going? Uh, not bad. Doing pretty all right. Hanging in there. It's been a busy week, but yes. not a bad one. We've gotten back into the streaming swing of things. That's been pretty good. We've been working on our own game stuff. Yeah. We'll get into not all of here, but a tiny bit. We'll do a very short update, then talk about the indie stuff we've been streaming mm-hmm. in the last couple weeks, and then talk about, I think, a couple other video games after that. Yeah. It's going to be a whole thing. But yeah, to start us off with a little update on us stuff, down the drain, updates still coming. I think we're at a point now. Like Lorraine and I had discussed separately, we're off the podcast, rather. We're down the drain development in terms of new features is starting to wind down. Yeah, we're getting there. Porting over code from that game to Super Cucumber will begin in the next couple weeks, I suspect. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, we'll just keep rolling. But yeah, I can confirm that, I think we talked about this a little before, there will be a Linux native version for the Steam Deck. I got that to run. We're still testing it as I speak. Steam Deck support in general just like ui support for the visuals and the controls Mm -hmm. and stuff steam cloud support that's the other thing (laughs) i was thinking about all that stuff will be in down the drain in this new update and all that stuff should ship with cucumber when it comes out Mm -hmm. like that should all be part of the game at launch as opposed to something we add later like with down the drain but yeah all that work's kind of coming together now it's it it really is it kind of feels like around the launch window last year where all the pieces were meshing together just on a smaller scale yeah, it's slowly but surely making its way across the finish line. So yeah, we'll have more updates on that stuff the next time we record, I suspect. Probably. <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> but that's kind of it for now. Just like slow and steady wins the race. Trucking along. Yeah, it is It is working out. We're making progress. It feels good. Hell yeah. And then in terms of getting back to the normal everyday kind of swing of things in the new year, we got back to streaming over the last couple mm-hmm. weeks. Yeah. Uh, so we're back to playing indie games. Woo. And in fact, this week, the... The two games we played are from the same developer. <laughs> so we played two games by uh, OndyDev. You can find them, O-N-D-Y-D-E-V, on Twitter and Itch. Um, and they have a couple of games out, like more than even the ones we played. I think oh, yeah. their Itch page has like four or five different projects. But I had picked up two of them over mm-hmm. the course of the holiday sales and stuff. And we played them over the last two weeks of stream. And they were both pretty fun. Yeah. Cool little projects. The first one we checked out Binky's was called, called Binky's Trash Service. Yeah. And it's kind of like a... 2D platformer that's like it's not a collectathon, but the goal is like and and I would call that like a puzzle platformer. Puzzle platformer is a better yeah, but it's it's like very speed run based to the point where it's like uh, an arena based like puzzle. Well, yeah, that's the thing I was trying to get at is so it's kind of like so basically it's a series of discrete levels that Mm -hmm. like each level by itself is kind of a big tall wide like it's a big large area that's very vertical. Yeah, like so it's not like bog standard Mario level where you want run from left to right. Yeah, on a, pre- on a flattish like plane, four-ish, yeah. maybe plus floors, depending on the level. Yeah, and I bet, I'm I'm assuming they're all either the not the same size, but very similarly size. But they're all like rectangular, where they they probably do have at least as much, if not a little more, verticality than they do like horizontal space to play with. But they're very tall, very wide areas. You play as a little bird-looking dude, Binky, <laughs> named Binky. Binky and, Junior, I believe. Yeah, actually. I think it is Binky Junior. You're right, because on the costume select screen, it tells you who he is and yeah your goal is to move around these levels and collect all the trash so there's a bunch of trash cans and yeah, in the levels and you have you're to touch a, them all a trash to... service for villain lairs i believe was the, the actual like the selling, yeah, the full lore the, the thing the, mm-hmm. the pitch if you will <laughs> and it's one of those games that is like really simple but really fun like uh-huh. the because the basic mechanics are so it's a platformer you basically just want to have to jump to where all the trash cans are collect all the trash and then eventually make it back to the entrance of the level like there's a yeah you have to get everything and get out yeah, you a, start at a spot and a timer begins as soon as you load in and your goal is to collect all the trash and then get back to that same doorway that you began the level in as fast as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. The timer <laughs> counting up, it's tra- It's not like you have like a set amount of time to do it. Correct. Yeah, it, it, right. It won't like after two minutes, it doesn't just like kill you. It's mm-hmm. just uh, it gives you like ratings. Yeah. Like you can get medals based on how fast you did do it. And it's got kind of target times for mm-hmm. like silver, gold, platinum. I'm I'm assuming platinum is the top one since silver is the lowest. <laughs> yeah, I don't there are three tiers exactly. of metal, and I never I don't th- know that I ever got platinum on any of them. Maybe when I went back, I played a little bit after the stream. Mm-hmm. Even I might have gotten one on like one of the early easy ones. I don't remember, but but yeah, it's a fun little thing. So like basically, it's just walk, run, jump, 
you can do like a dash, dash. you can do like a big kind of like then there's catapult like, jump. Yeah, there's kind of like a Super Mario 64-esque sort of direction change high jump mm-hmm. where if you're kind of holding, let's say you're holding right and then you immediately snap back left to hit the jump button, he'll do, I don't know if he, his animation is a flip, but it's kind of like the backflip in Mario where he like does a really of, high he jump. He like spins or at least yeah. rotates in some way. Um, And there's wall jumps, which yep. are... A little different than some games, but definitely not bad. But overall, it's a lot of fun. Like The thing that these two games have in common, this and the one we'll talk about in a minute, is that the controls feel very, very tuned in and very deliberate. So like it, fe- it feels like a lot of thought and iteration went into how mm-hmm. the like moment-to-moment sensation of manipulating yeah. them both feels. These are but- very like crafted level design, too. It's ex- Everything feels very deliberate mm-hmm. in a way that I do really appreciate and must have taken a lot of time because of how tight a lot of the sequences are too. Yeah, for sure. Especially in Binky, for sure. Just the <laughs> skill needed to execute some of those like jumps and just general like navigation was like it was a gradual increase and it just kind of like kept taking the things that you'd learn in previous like levels and adding them in Mm -hmm. and then while being different than a lot of the format of a lot of traditional platformers from back Mm -hmm. in the day there's a lot of little bits of dna here and there i think all over the place in this game because i you know i think every platformer has a little bit of mario in it there's definitely some sonic the hedgehog vibes i think in Mm -hmm. here in terms of like how fast you run when you're dashing and like the little Christmas presents are kind of like literally like Sonic Bounce pads. They mostly work in the exact mm-hmm. same way that those do. There's also, I think there's even a little bit of more games like Ghosts and Goblins and shit like that where the, the jump has a very momentum-based arc. Mm-hmm. So kind of if you jump forward, your character will kind of keep moving forward even if you like immediately like tap back. It's not like mm-hmm. you're kind of one-to-one controlling their exact position in the air after leaving the ground. Like there's a little bit of momentum to it, which like I said is interesting it's definitely not a bad thing but it takes some getting used to if like you you need to kind of dial it in <laughs> a little bit but it's uh like once you kind of get in the swing of it mm-hmm. feels pretty yeah, good you, you just gotta gotten like your groove like you were really just kind of flying all over the place mm-hmm. and that like high jump feels great doing a nice like dashing like getting your speed up it's like a double tap on the t- on the d-pad or the stick to enter a dashing state and then he'll run real fast until you kind of let off your momentum basically and like doing that into like a long jump into like nailing something like hitting a trash can that's kind of like halfway across the screen feels Mm -hmm. really good (laughs) it just like in general all feels pretty good on the whole yeah trying to think if there's anything else the the wall jumps i did have a that this took me a lot of getting used to (laughs) that i never quite got a hundred percent used to it where when you hit a jump in your jumping state it doesn't kind of like immediately transition you into a wall slide state mm-hmm. like it, it basically you have to go from your trajectory moving upward to your trajectory moving downward like so once you start falling <laughs> yeah then he'll kind of like grab the wall and so like i don't know that like in the parts of the game we played it was like there were any parts where it was super necessary like the where they made the window super tight on that mm-hmm. on purpose yeah. it just kind of threw me for like and mentally well, it threw mm-hmm. me for a while like yeah, it really if, took if you're me used to used something to. <laughs> else having just the headway of not immediately sticking because he didn't, it was just kind of like you hung there, and then as you started to fall, mm-hmm. you stuck against the, the vertical surface as opposed to, like, touching the wall and clinging to it immediately. Again, if you're, like, your internal timing is to also, like, hit jump immediately as soon as you come into contact with the wall, it's kind of kind of eat that input because it won't, yeah. you know, it won't have you, let you have, you're you won't have that, started sliding on the yeah, wall, let alone be able to jump off yet. of it. Right, yeah. So that's, like, I think the mental block for me, it just took a little getting mm-hmm. used to that one thing. <laughs> more than other things control wise in the game I mean, after i kind of like started getting the swing of it about halfway through that play session i definitely got more used to it as we went along um and it was really cool it was a lot of fun the other thing visually from this game right would you describe this as like a a 16-bit-ish thing or i mean i guess it's still pretty chunky there's something about the the trash cans and the way that the garbage comes out of them specifically when you touch them that gives me like very neo geo vibes <laughs> I don't, I don't know what it is. There's something about that animation. I'm like... That's... It's a very good animation. Uh, There's yeah. a lot of really good, in both these games specifically. Because uh-huh, looking at it in motion again, like I've got mm. a, up on my screen over here. And I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It's just, it's retro. <laughs> Whether it's explicitly 8-bit or 16-bit or kind of somewhere in between. I mean, it's I'm pretty sure and cool. there's more than eight bits of color in it. Sure, sure, so sure, it's sure. probably like, if you want to get technical, it's probably 16. Yeah. Well, I think um, even like... But it's also using like different effects on sprites that probably weren't possible yeah. on that original hardware. So mm-hmm. it is and that's a, a funny thing. thing to say. Right. That's a funny thing anyway, because I, I bet, I think the majority of people, like when they say that, and including me, honestly, when you say 8, 8 bit or 16 bit, like they're not literally talking about the color space they're more just saying, oh, like the pixels chunky <laughs> or like pixels slightly less chunky, <laughs> like finer detail, but still like noticeable. Oh, that's clearly 
that was made by putting a bunch of dots, <laughs> you know, very deliberately in a space. But, like, you know, the sprite can be 256 by 256 instead of, you know, like, 18 by 18 or whatever. But, yeah, it's got a very retro look. And it's, yeah, I don't know. It's just cool. It's a lot of fun. I think yeah. it's only three bucks. Double check over here. Yeah, it's two ninety nine. I'm trying to think of other, like, the music was pretty good. Yeah. Like I said, the gameplay was good. I, I really liked, we played, I think, the first eight to nine-ish levels on the stream. Something like that. And then I played, I think, a couple more than that Okay. after booting it up later on my own time. And for the most part, each level kind of, like, introduces some little mechanical mm-hmm. thing. Like, the there are bounce pads, there are disappearing platforms, there are... Mouse cursor. <laughs> little mouse water. cursors that move places. There's water. Yeah, there's, there's like kind of a lot going Conveyor on. bounce. Ice level. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta have your ice level. You gotta... <laughs> Yeah, so like it ramps up well, I think. Yeah, like, the like escalation the... was really good, I thought. Yeah, and again, we played it for I think about two hours on stream. Pretty close, yeah. And I don't know how many levels are in it. Like now that it's, I get, I unlocked past like the eleven or twelve mark, mm-hmm. so I'm assuming there might be twenty. Like you'd think it'd be like a fifteen, twenty, like a <laughs> ended a five or a ten probably, but yeah, I don't hundred percent know for sure. There's a good chance I will at some point hop back in and actually play every level to completion. Because again, the game I think for replayability is way more about speedrunning. Like if yeah. you wanted oh, to, for sure. to really go back in and refine those levels, it explicitly wants you to do that. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, you know, go get the highest medal, <laughs> find the critical path, uh, which I can definitely get behind. Like I absolutely yeah. dig that in theory and in practice. Again, for um, just a couple bucks, I think you easily mm-hmm. get your money's worth. And- it's also it is on Steam as well as Itch. Yeah, I think both of them are. At, yeah, they, at, yeah, they are. Yeah, they definitely at are. least I was say when I pushed them uh, in the archives, I put the Steam links up instead. Technically, okay. but yeah, they absolutely are. But yeah, it's actually like I said, it's just a really fun little thing. I was really like really surprised by how just like tight and enjoyable it was for just like a little. Because again, this is a game that I had just seen in a collection of Michigan-made games yeah. that I think Mike from locally sourced had curated on itch for the uh, the winter sale. Uh, okay. Yeah, so I grabbed that, these, and a couple other things on there. But yeah, just really pleasantly surprised to have such a good time with it. It was yeah. a, It's a really enjoyable little thing. It was super cute, and it was fun to look at and experience mm-hmm. as well. So yeah, if you're into 2D platformers in any way, I would definitely mm-hmm. recommend it. Like, for sure. For Especially, Absolutely. like I said, if, as a value proposition of, <laughs> you know, get a couple hours out of it for a handful of dollars. Well, well worth it. Hell yeah. And so that's our first game by OndiDev. The other mm-hmm. one was called Trespassers. And this is more of a, it's definitely more explicitly, <laughs> now that we're getting back into the weeds of that again, 8-bit and that like. I mean, it gave me big, if that, if the first game was Neo Geo, this screamed Game Boy Color to me. Sure. Like everything about like just the presentation, that menu, <laughs> that title menu mm-hmm. was phenomenal. The, it, the screen real estate use, the everything, the fucking, mm-hmm. was it like perfectly square play screen like well yeah actually i think right i think it's actually like probably not probably a little more vertical and square i'm not 100 sure i'm also looking at that right now but it's like it's more like arcade format or like or yeah maybe just maybe just like old tv i'm not 100 it doesn't quite look four by three to me i think it's more like visually it looks more like an arcade cabinet layout where it's like potentially a little taller than it is wide but in any case it's a very boxy presentation mm-hmm. like it's not widescreen like both this and uh binky were like that Mm-hmm. Where the presentation, even even in terms of aspect ratio for the whole play space, is more you know it's not sixteen by nine or whatever. It's yeah. it is set up like an old game that would have played on some sort of CRT <laughs> in terms of how the screen real estate works out. But yeah, so this is a it's a like slightly Metroidvania adjacent kind of ad- action exploration game where you're a uh, little you're kind of a little mouse guy, right, or some a kind rat of rat terrier, so okay. it's a dog. But yeah, you're a, f- a furry little dude. I don't remember dude. what the dog's name was, though. <laughs> and you basically have a have a baseball bat and a flashlight. Yep. And you gotta go find cryptids because they stole your friend or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you gotta go find cryptids in a school. Like it's well, kind of a school in a ground, school. and I then like it kind of expands yeah. all over the place because it's a pretty big map. You go to like a UFO. You go to this <laughs> horrible forest with Moai statues. And yeah, as the name implies, uh, oh God, what was it? The blood du- blood basement? Is that what that was called? <laughs> yeah, I think there's there's a blood basement in the school. <laughs> As the name implies, your job is to bash every enemy you come across. So, you do be bashing. Yeah, the core uh, loop of the game is basically like kill enemies in an area. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you kill enough enemies in an area, you crew enough kill credits. Essentially, like there's a little little uh, thing that goes up every every time you knock mm-hmm. a dude out. And they and like that, stay down. They don't like come back or anything. Yeah, I was gonna get to that in a second. But yeah, once you've kind of like cleared 
an area of enough enemies. There are little sort of roadblocks of like, oh, you need to have defeated this many guys to proceed through this gateway. And then once you've killed enough dudes, you can smash that open with your little bat and then continue on through like the kind of expansive mm -hmm. area. But it's got... Yeah, one of the things I do like about it that is very different is the fact that it's... As you kind of clear areas out, they stayed cleared out, like you yeah. said. It's It doesn't necessarily do the... um. Either like a traditional platformer where you like die and the whole world resets or like the Dark Souls thing where like every time you kind of like leave an area and come back to it, mm -hmm. you it, know, it might be popular, yeah. it might repopulate with stuff. There's a very definitive progression of like, oh, and every single area as you kind of cleared out of enemies, for the most part, you're done in that space and you go, you move on to the next, next thing. Yeah. Like explore further throughout the sprawling map. It was a big map. Yeah. Like I said, I, and we didn't get to all of it oh, over no. the course of that play Absolutely session. Absolutely not. But yeah, it's a pretty large space. Eventually you get a map so you can check that out. And uh, we never did get another weapon, did no, we? No, you, you got the slingshot. Oh no, that's right. We got the slingshot at the very, very, very end. You're right. I had totally forgotten about it because it was so late in the playthrough. <laughs> in our time, with at least on stream. But yeah, there's the, I, I don't know how many other weapons there are. There's, there's slots for the weapons. Mm -hmm. the, the main combat loop, which I think is both fun and is the point where I started to run a steam on it a little bit, is... So the cryptid guys are like shadowed yeah they're usually shadowed and like in most of the areas you're in, you're in they'll in part or in full uh, kind of be hidden in the background of the environment so like there'll they'll be kind of a black outline in areas with a, like a lot of dark like either black or dark colors yeah. or whatever and to unveil them to attack them you basically need to shine your flashlight on them and then once they appear uh, you have to smack them with your <laughs> mm -hmm. baseball bat or other weapon you know a number of times until they go down it's a cool little loop mm -hmm. um and there's uh, again a lot of really deliberate choices in terms of how like walking and running and jumping feel and like the timing on it on the attacks where you can like yeah, tap the bat the... has a very specific wind up yeah you can tap the bat swing and it has like a little bit of a wind up but it you know it's consistent every time you swing it or if you hold it down you can kind of hold it as long as you want like you can hold the button and you'll kind of keep the bat cocked yeah. over your shoulder and then like ready to swipe when you release it and then also while holding it down or while having the flashlight out, it kind of locks your axis in place. Mm -hmm. So if you're facing to the left and you're holding a bat swing, even if you tap, you know, right, you will, you will still be facing left, still wound up, ready to smack, you know, the next thing that comes your way. Mm -hmm. And similarly, the flashlight, that's kind of like a binary. You toggle it on, you toggle it off. And whenever you toggle it on, you will keep pointing it in the direction you are facing and you won't flip direction until you toggle it off first. Which mm -hmm. I, th I thought that loop was fun. Like yeah. that was like like either flashlight on or like hold bat and kind of like jimmy yourself back and forth. Like kind mm -hmm. of like jockey for position <laughs> as you're kind of lining up just the right moment to swing and like deal some damage or knock a thing out or whatever. Like I thought that worked really well. Like yeah. I said, you could see that there was a lot of like thought put into how that loop would work. And in Absolutely. fact, one of the cooler things that I liked about it was that so the flashlight toggles on and off. Mm -hmm. You turn it on, it'll stay on until like a little meter goes down to zero. And once it hits zero, it'll shut off and slowly refill that bar. But if you, while having the flashlight in the on state, hold the attack button, like if you're doing bat things, it shuts it off and then re-enables it as soon as the bat swing is done, mm -hmm. which I thought was a nice little touch yeah. too. And then I wouldn't call it as much of a platformer as Binky's Trash Service, but there definitely is platforming there's, in yeah, it. Yeah, there's platforming in it, but it's, I would say it's more of like an adventure kind yeah. of explorer game. If this is like like if, Metroid is technically a right, platforming yeah, this game, is, this but is, it's not a platform. This is more like Metroid or, or Castlevania in terms mm -hmm. of the jumping than or like even Mario like or Ghosts Sonic and or Goblins, something else. Like, but there is it's more of a you're not progressing through discrete levels like you do in that game. You are right, like you said, walking it is through a, a very is sprawling, a big map. giant open map. Yeah, the map looked a lot like a Castlevania map, and yeah, you just kind of wander. <laughs> And then we eventually did get like a, a bunch of power ups, like a new health, yeah, more health, little and, shops hidden and stuff away. like that. We got a, we did get a wall, like a wall grab, mm -hmm. <laughs> so you could kind of slide on surfaces, which did in fact work a little more like I think many video games do, mm -hmm. where you kind of touch the wall and you're immediately wall sliding. And I think I don't know that that we got any other big things that really changed up the combat, other than like you said, we got that slingshot right at the very end. Yeah, you got like a you could extend the range and duration of your flashlight. Um, and the slingshot was cool because you could uh, uh, affect the arc of the shot. Like if you mm -hmm. held the stick up or down, you could kind of arc it. Fits with its yeah. Like uh, you could give it some upward or gotcha. downward trajectory. <laughs> like it didn't always just go in a straight line across from like you know whatever direction you shot it in or whatever, which was kind of neat. The the one thing that uh, I would like to see in Trespassers that like I said, kind of at the very mm -hmm. end, and and there were, may very well be some more of this in the game because we still only played it for like an hour half ish give, give or take, or take yeah. 
on stream. But as we were kind of winding up that play session, it started to feel, for me, like the combat, which is most of the game, because like, quite honestly, yeah. you're moving and smashing <laughs> mm -hmm. and then moving again. The combat started to feel a little stale for me in the sense that like, the things that the enemies do... Or, or not even the things that they do, because there's a lot of different ways that they move around a screen. Some of them yeah. have projectiles, some of them don't. But the ways that you interact with the enemies to defeat them is the same. are pretty much the same 100% of the time for the time we played it, yeah. Where, like, the, the cycle of every single thing you fight is going to be shine flashlight, shine flashlight and smack. smack, you know, however many times this thing needs to be smacked to defeat it. And I, and I think even within the bounds of the game that exists right now, there are, are ways to potentially... Like, there are ways to create enemies that... Just could be a tiny bit more varied in terms of how you dispatch them. Mm -hmm. Like like I said, for those... Uh, Moai statues? Moai statues, yeah. <laughs> like, the, those things have, like, an immune state where... And I still couldn't, for the life of me, tell yeah. exactly when it activated or when it deactivated. But they will go from being vulnerable to being invulnerable. Mm -hmm. They basically, like, kind of expand out into, like, a gangly little monster and then, like, collapse Compressed. back into just yeah. the head. As far as I could tell, the only way to defeat them was to just... Wait. Right, wiggle around the screen, <laughs> jump, run, smack, uh, and eventually they would kind of come out of that state. And they, It wasn't clear if there was a direct way you could just bait them. Into yeah, the like I, if, if there was, I didn't quite figure it out while we were yeah, playing. Yeah, uh, I didn't, wasn't able to notice anything. But that, for me, would have, was like a perfect example of like, oh, I really wish like the heavy bat smash mm. kind of like guard broke these guys or <laughs> something. Or like I wish that some of the enemies had like a more dramatic change in state from being like flashlighted <laughs> to not yeah. being flashlighted. I just think some of the enemies could have used something like that. Mix it up a bit. Something to mix it up a little bit. And and again, we didn't finish it. No. There there very mm -hmm. well could be some stuff like that or like some bigger boss fights or something that change up the tempo mm -hmm. a little bit because that was the other thing is uh for the amount we played it was every like there were no larger encounters necessarily i mean they just... like slowly introduced like i would say the soccer field was probably the biggest one of those where it was like mm -hmm. the two onis and then that like bull running around like you hadn't experienced those enemies before so they kind of like slowly bring in um mm -hmm. bigger and different enemies for you to, yeah. to fight right and like but nothing felt like you said a, like a discreet boss encounter. right like we said it because the the way they interact with you is still different where the bull can launch you like way up in the air mm -hmm. if he hits you or the only guys like they really knocked you back like if they uh, yeah if they smacked you with their punches like they pushed you back a decent amount on the screen where most of the enemies didn't do that mm -hmm. but yeah like i said the thing for me was still that like the way to dispatch them is try the flashlight and smack them that's true <laughs> And, and either, like, different types, enemies tune different ways, or, like, you know, boss fights where they... In, like, that Zelda style, where there's, like, a, w a way specifically to beat a boss. Like, mm -hmm. things like that, I think, could serve to just, like, change change the game up a little bit yeah. from time to time. Which, like I said, very, very well maybe in there, but from our play session, we didn't mm -hmm. necessarily experience a ton of that stuff. On the whole, still a very fun little... Yeah, I like, really pretty enjoyed well polished game. Like, the creature design was really neat, like, for how purposely limited the mm -hmm. entire like palette and stylistic choices were it was very fun to look at yeah it's very cool um and i would definitely still recommend it on the whole like mm -hmm. i think it is a well-made little thing so uh, like i honestly my difference between there would be like just like what are you more in the mood for like if you yeah. want to check out either of these like if you want to feel something that's more like a pure platformer definitely go binkies because that's more like that mm -hmm. if you want something that's a little more combat and explorationy then maybe check out trespassers yeah but yeah, I think they're both really cool. I'm interested to to meet Ondi Dev at some point. I don't know that I've come across them in the local game scene personally, <laughs> mm -hmm. necessarily. So if somehow I don't meet them in a, like a Discord chat room or one of these physical meetups at some point, I'll probably just have to reach out to them on Twitter or something and say like, hey, what's up, dog? But <laughs> uh, we enjoyed your games. Yes. <laughs> they seem pretty neat. I'm into it. Both a lot of fun. I would definitely recommend checking out. Yeah, that was uh, a both of them, depending on what you're interested fun, in. Fun, like getting back in the swing of things. Two really big punches right out the gate, mm -hmm. and it was it was honestly kind of interesting to do a back to back like single developer, mm -hmm. like playing two games from the same person. Do you know which came first? Uh, Binkies came first. Okay, this I Trespassers is their newest game oh, or okay. a newer of their games. Nice, I, like it's the one I think Trespassers is the one it's like most prominently listed on their Twitter right now. So okay, Trespassers came out in September of 2021. Oh. Okay, nice. And then I know Biggie's was out, out before then, but I don't 100% know off the top of my head. That's the their pinned tweet on the subject. Cool. <laughs> but yeah, I guess the like that'll wrap up the discussion on those. But yeah, they're both really good. Like I said, I would highly recommend them. And I'm this has gotten my flowing back into 
looking forward to playing other indie stuff. Mm-hmm. Again, like we'd kind of taken most of late December and early January off to kind of reset a little bit. And yeah. Now we're kind of back in the swing of things, and it's it's been good time so far. Yes. So I'm looking Lots forward to doing more of that in the future. For sure. Uh, but yeah, you can check out Biggie's Trash Service or Trespassers, which just to be clear on that, that's T-R-E-S dash bashers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can check out either of those on Itch or Steam. Uh, so we would definitely recommend either of them, depending on what you're what you're feeling. Totally. And with that said, we have played a couple other games. Wow. Lorraine, I'm going to kick it over to you for the first Yikes. one. Yikes. One of them is an indie game, one of them not so much, <laughs> although this is certainly bigger than the <laughs> the stuff we usually try to spotlight, but I've been playing some Rogue Legacy too. I have. How's that been going in your own words? Tell me. <laughs> it's been me a tale of your lineage. <laughs> it's a disaster. I like that game a lot. I had played the first one quite a bit, not contemporarily. I think it was pretty old by the time that I eventually got around to checking it out for the first time. Played that on the Vita, so yipe. And I've been playing this game this release the sequel on steam i know also yikes lorraine's playing computer games mm-hmm. um with a controller and 360 controller <laughs> which is a nightmare old school hell yeah that's all i got man wired 360 controller um that game's a lot of fun there's a like it's been a good chunk of time since I had played the original. So it's harder to say like, oh, this, 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 and that are completely different. But I know there's a lot more content in general for like, it's not just like, oh, here's this character that here is just this class. It's preset. These are their traits. Take them in there. There's a lot of like random little things. Like I don't remember if there are as many little like artifacts you could pick up that greatly affect your run. There definitely wasn't the resolve system, which is how you purchase those things. You can run into little stands that lets you like switch out weapons or spells or abilities along the way to get like some really wacky stuff like a fucking pizza that flies like a frisbee to um, literally (laughs) a scythe that does like a shit ton of damage. That was a lot of fun to use. I enjoyed that one a lot when I found it. There's a lot of like permanent upgrades that you can do. There's some more kind of like skill test things that you can unlock and interact with outside of the castle runs that you're doing it's just it's a lot of fun i'm four bosses in i've reached the fifth one and have not i've only reached him once and haven't beaten him yet but i'm just i'm really just enjoying it i had picked it up while it was on sale over the holidays and hadn't quite gotten into it until like i think it was the week of our last our like well we're back podcast it was like later a couple days after recording that and I've been playing a little bit every so often, but it's been a lot of fun. The like art style in general has been like upgraded a lot because I'd be like, think it was all pixel like pixel art before, mm-hmm. but now there are three D models for like almost all the characters. Okay. Or at least the player for sure, but it is like a cell shaded, so it still looks like it's it. It's the, still a the 2D style game. is like, like identical. It's still, it's still yeah. a two D. F- like plane wise, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's a lot of little, like, small, like, environmental touches, like, lighting effects. Oh, man. Like, they look really nice on, like, enemies and you and just the different sources and different colors. There's a lot of, like, foreground, background things. Like, you can, sometimes there will be, like, just chains or lights hanging from the ceiling that you can't necessarily break, but they interact with you moving past them or they'll, like, jingle or something. And there's a lot of little things going on, like, tiny little details that really, like, polish up the very rogue formula of (laughs) go into this place Uh and get as far as you can sure well this would be an interesting like hearing you describe all that stuff like Mm -hmm. this is the actually the conversation i wanted to have you about about this game yeah because there are on the one hand there are a lot of things about it that feel like they would be right up my alley Uh but then having watched you play it for a couple hours Uh here and there like i kind of think this game is definitively not for me and i'll tell you why and part of it is because because like hearing you describe this like and like I understand it. I understand how why developers would make these choices where like, you know, you make a game and it gets wildly successful. It's the first Rogue Legacy, big game. Oh yeah. Like very popular. So they're like, well when Thomas Connor the sequel, you know, we do that but more. Mm-hmm. Expand as I make like stretching gestures with my he, fingers. He is doing that. <laughs> Can confirm. And in this case, the more that they added is like the more that I usually don't want personally, I think, out of indie games where like, so let me let me try to explain my rationale here for a little bit. Because the thing that I like about the two games we just talked about, mm-hmm. Trespassers and Binkies, is that they don't fucking blind you with science. Like they, what you see is what you get for the most part. Like the mm-hmm. tutorialization is pretty straightforward. The games are relatively simple. 
And, like, for the most part, you can kind of just figure out whatever you need to know by, like, trial and error your way through it. And then watching you play, like, an hour of Rogue Legacy and just looking at the volume of text <laughs> and upgrade trees and, like, you pick one character to start out with and they might have, like, six different little verbs that are, like, here's a thing that they do. Well, at least on uh, that, that <laughs> screen in particular, like, half of that is class-specific. So it's, like, every warrior will have a sword, a shield... And certain other like traits that are with the warrior or whatever, mm-hmm. and then there's like the magic spell is the random part of it per that specific air, and then they can have like two other things. They so, have like, all like the half, the half goofy of that, shit, like, like, blind, like yeah, color blindness and, yeah. and farting or whatever. <laughs> half of that screen will be identical for every single warrior that you see. Okay, but they just tell you what everything is all the time because, like, at least if, with this game in particular, the more you—I don't remember if it's in the original—the more you use specific classes, the stronger that class gets. So the more archers you pick. You're going to get more experience for the archer class, and that's going to make them, they're going to raise their strength, it's going to raise their dexterity. So it shows you those upgrades on connected to the archer class, which is the same for every single archer or boxer or sure. dragoon or whatever. Because mm-hmm. they added some of those too, right? I'm guessing there are new classes yes, in this game. Yes, there's a lot of other. new classes. Because that's the kind of stuff, like I said, that's where they, that that's the part I like. And the, the like, I feel like, because it does feel like they've added, uh, for lack of a better term grind to this game that I feel like wasn't necessarily no like, it was there was it in the first one oh, yeah. like, like explicitly that castle was there but you... but did it have like all the stats and stuff too or was that more added for this one no well, there maybe, was... maybe the first Rogue Legacy wasn't really for me <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't actually play that game very much yeah. I, I might have booted up for like 30 or 40 minutes yeah you would buy like classes on that tree you would upgrade your health or attack or how much the it you had to pay to lock the castle down so the route stayed the same like that stuff has not changed. Because I think for me, it's just, and again, I'm speaking more personally than like, mm-hmm. we have said this many times before, but I'll keep saying it as like conversations come up where I feel like it needs to be reiterated. I'm not I'm not speaking in generalities of like, oh, it's wrong to build games this way. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking in terms of like the things that attract me to games. Yeah. These are things that personally turn me off in many cases. Just like the volume of like, like I said, just text and like menus and stuff for a game that is not quote unquote menu driven <laughs> <laughs> for a game that is like an action-y platformer kind of thing. Like, the more that shit is in a game like this, the least I want to play it, personally. Like, that's kind of how I feel about games of this ilk. But again, that isn't to say that it's a bad game, or that there's anything wrong with doing that. It is just that I I do feel like there has been, to some degree, a trend in any games, especially ones that are iterations, like a sequel Mm -hmm. to another thing, of just, like, turning up the complexity valve without necessarily, in some t- some cases, turning up, like, other valves that could be more interesting. Like, how would you describe the difference, as far as you remember, in, like, the enemies and the environments in this game compared to the first one so far? Oh, they're so different. I, I believe, from my memory, the vast majority of Rogue Legacy 1 was in almost identical palette-swapped interior settings. It was a castle. It was just a castle, and that was it. But the enemies like scaled. They were mostly palette swaps, which is still the case here. Those exist. They do other things, mm-hmm. but there's at least two areas specifically that are a lot more open and like there's literally no walls. The second area you go to after beating the first um, boss is you're traversing a dock, basically this washed away village that was on the water. So they're like most of the spaces are just open. You have to learn how to use like this resonant system to regain your dashes in the air by doing the down attack, which did not exist in the first game. And by my memory again, and it's just your traverse. Like I, I kind of told you this earlier, as opposed to like exploring just like the interior of a castle, you're going left to right. Your goal is to the right, which is fine. Like, and then you fight the boss at the end and then you gain access to the next area, which is more similar to the castle, but it is like a snowy area. There's different kinds of enemies there, and it's a little smaller than the castle, but a lot more deadly in a bunch of different ways. Like the rooms, are, I felt, are a lot tighter, or they're just really thin and long. That is another thing I noticed in this game. The room variety, shapes, everything is a lot different and much more complex than in the first one. And that, even like, that's awesome. Just in like the the base skills you get because you have these like set things. Like I think in the first one, like you got like double jumps and multiple dashes by picking up runes, which still that's still a thing. You I still have like two air dashes because of a increased rune I got. 
but my dashes and some of my like the down attack and other things have different properties because of these little like tiny challenges that I had to do to get these abilities like I have a dash that lets me go through these like shadowy objects and now also lets me like boost up higher off of a thing get my dash back and can keep moving through these this very vertical section of the castle which is also outdoors in like a storm that I'm playing through to get through to the fifth boss and there's a lot of just like little tiny things here and there that have like moving around in that game that is what drew me to the first one like the movement in that game is so much fun and as you get more stuff and different classes you can just do so much more and it's just it's fun to exist in these spaces even though they're insane some of the times sure no that's neat and like i said that's the part where i think i like in terms of compartmentalizing parts of that Mm -hmm. game that's the part i'm totally on board with because the example i was going to theoretically use is an example Mm -hmm. is like the difference between Mario Galaxy 1 and Mario Galaxy 2, uh-huh. where that, that second game really is just kind of like a director's cut yeah. of levels that didn't really make the original product. But on the other hand, I kind of like that, the idea of, in terms of making a, a direct sequel to a thing, I think my personal proclivities are more on the lines of like, you don't need to dramatically elevate what the player does or what their ability set is if you can like elevate the world around them. So here you describe the other stuff, like that the enemies are pretty different and the, lo- the levels yeah. are like different and, and larger and like more variety filled like just more yeah uh, it's robust it really is it, it like the, th- those the, are all upgrades i'm on board yeah for. The, the general polish of the game as a whole like the castle is basically the same kind of thing the mm-hmm. up like the weapon smith the enchantress with the armor and runes is identical those systems are not different i think the one the bigger thing that actually is different in that like main little like home level aside from like the smaller challenges that you can like boost up and get more things for to just get other gear to boost your stats like which you can completely ignore you don't even have to touch the Erebus section mm-hmm. but there's a safe that's just like floating in an inner tube that can talk because that's what this game does and it will save a portion of your money that you're paying to go over because like when between runs you either spend your money or you lose your money and the money that you're also giving to go in is being collected and will also boost your stats so like in theory if you don't have money if you don't have something you need to buy you can just dump your money to karen or whatever Mm -hmm. however you pronounce his name yeah and you will get a bonus from that eventually it's a shit ton of money you have to do (laughs) it's a huge amount i've only gotten one boost because most of the time I am spending all my money and I'm not even touching the money because I get at the whatever you have in the safe just gets added to your cash when you're making purchase. You don't even have to think about it. It's just there for you and it can hold them. There's a certain maximum you can upgrade it at your castle too. And it takes a portion of what you dump in at the end, what you're just throwing away and holds it and then just gives it to you at the start of your next run. Interesting. Because, yeah, I th- like I said, I think I have wa- enjoyed watching you play mm-hmm. it and I did. It does seem like a really well put together solid game, but like like I said, the parts where I think it loses me, and and I again trying to internalize like think more mm-hmm. in terms of my own relationship to games. Like I said, uh, this is a again the thing I liked least about. I eventually really warmed up to this that game so much that you know played dozens to maybe a hundred hours of it. But the, this has a little bit of that like slay the spire thing I think mm-hmm. with the artifacts. Where like that's where a game loses me. Like what I personally would prefer games ask of me is to like expand my knowledge of a like tightly packed discrete tool set to like figure out how to use it better in different circumstances and the problem i had with slay was how like the artifacts like those that's what they're called right the little passive things you get yeah, over the course of a run whatever. like eventually relics know. yeah eventually you, you get like 8 to 10 to 15 of them and at some point like what the fuck even is happening well, right see, now that's <laughs> one of the nice things about the resolve system is that there is a cost to picking those things up in Rogue Legacy. You can boost how much you have based on like having a matching gear set because you get a bonus for that, having just upgrading that node on your um sure, on your castle or picking up de- like negative effects on you which will give you resolve for doing it. Mm-hmm. But that like you have a set number and every point you go below 100 it takes some of your HP. So if you want a lot of like if you want to just get a lot of extra things, you are paying a cost for that. You have to like really pick and choose or just not pick up any at all. Like you can go and without And th- those doing are it. run by run. Yes, some guys will start with them and so you will f- just like they'll just be in like question mark rooms basically. Uh-huh. And you can pick two automatically every time and you just lose the other one. Sure. Or there is a way to like re-roll 
like one or two or something like that, you have to get that upgrade at a certain level off your castle if you want to. Sure. I mean, that that's fine. And that makes sense to me. But like I said, the, at the end I've of the day, I've never it's had just... more, like, there are certain bad relics <laughs> that will give you multiple relics. Sure. But I never have more than like maybe two or three. Sure. But what I'm really getting at is not just that that system in particular, but kind of like the sum total of systems in the game. Mm-hmm. Like that's so that's more what I'm getting at in terms of like I what I feel like my relationship would be to this game if I played it myself for like an hour or two is like when you combine those things what did you say? The relics? Are mm-hmm. they relics in Rogue Legacy? Probably. Okay, but whatever. Like, like you get them on run by run basis, and they they change the nature of your character to like the unique class you play is different. They're like like you said, they're sub random things, st- and all that stacked together with like your tree of like mm-hmm. permanent buffs or whatever. Like when you have all those things piled on top of each other, that like to some degree, like even if most of them are still like like I'm guessing most of the tree stuff is just passive, like oh, more yeah. health, more magic, shit like yeah. that. But like for me personally, there's like a a mental th- threshold where once you reach a certain point, I stop giving a shit about any of it. It's like the Netflixization <laughs> of game abilities. We're just like, all right, well, I have if I have twenty seven different options, like I don't know, who cares? <laughs> I just can't. Like I I don't even know what I'm supposed to be focused on, and I like freeze up in the face of opportunity. <laughs> in the same way that like when you boot up the Netflix home screen and there's like, all right, what are we gonna watch? I don't know. There's four hundred things here. Let's scroll for ten minutes and then pass. Like <laughs> that's how I personally have found my relationship with games. Especially games that are like the like core gameplay part of them is like actiony and straightforward and not particularly like mentally taxing uh, in like a strategic way. Like like I I think for as much as I didn't like how overwhelming some of that stuff could get in Slay the Spire, that game mm-hmm. is at least a passive. I can sit there and like plan out a turn and look at all my relics or whatever. Like I can I can kind of figure it out. Or something that you play moment to moment, like Rogue Legacy, when it's got that much stuff piled on top of I mean, it. I think it repulses You can pause me. it whenever you want and look at I mean, the tiny fine. little, like, <laughs> you can go through and, like, read what everything does at every <laughs> given moment if you want to. Mm-hmm. There's so many screens on that pause screen. <laughs> sure. But again, that's just like, oh, you put, your little action platform has, like, how many screens of how much text? Like I said, this is all personal. <laughs> like, I, I, does that make sense to you, what I'm describing from a personal standpoint? It's because, like I said, I, I'm not, this isn't a referendum on like, oh, I just think the game should not have this shit in it. It is the ha- this ga- the game having all this stuff all piled together personally makes me less likely to interact with it. I don't think it's a poor way to build a game, and I don't think the game is bad for doing it. But it's just like a barrier to entry for me myself as Dustin personally. <laughs> I think. <laughs> It's like with a lot of Destiny stuff, man. You just got to learn to not care. You just got (laughs) to spend as much cash as you have and then just leave on that boat and go hit a skeleton with a bow. (laughs) All that said, I'm really glad that you're enjoying it a bunch. Is there one thing in it, now that I've kind of like said all the things that I kind of dislike about it, (laughs) is there one one or two things in it that that like really strike you as like, because like you're going to finish it at this point. Oh, I'm going to finish it. You're rolling through it. That are like the most impactful to you in terms of like... Just the most interesting in this game or the most impactful upgrade you can remember from one to two? Again, it's just, it's been so long since I played the first one. But yeah. I, the big thing, like, some of the new classes are a lot of fun. Like, I don't remember there being as many ranged aside from, like, the wizard or the mage in the first one. And I still don't really like the wizard. Um, it's just not fun. I don't like playing that way. I jive so much with the archer and the boxer. Those are two of, like, those are, like, my favorite classes to play as. And I have a lot of fun with them. I didn't for... see you play the archer as much. I definitely th- thought the boxer looked like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I saw you over the shoulder playing that. I one. so the thing I know I mentioned this about the archer, but the thing with the archer is like there's some like you have a pretty good control of your trajectory on your arrows, and it's kind of bringing out the like Super Smash Brothers Yoshi main in me of like guiding that arc because you can see it when you like. Pull, when you knock the arrow, you can see the line, like where it's going to go, and you can fully control that. Like you can just move around in literally 360, or, yeah, 360 direction mm-hmm. on that screen. And it's just like I have had so much fun shooting dumb trick shots and being a nuisance with an arrow, which has been a lot of fun. It was the class I was on when I got to the most recent boss and nearly killed it because of some of the artifacts or relics or whatever they're called that I had gotten that were just like buffing me. Cause there's a handful that are like, Oh, like your damage outside of a certain range is just more. And it shows you on the screen, like where your sphere of influence basically is. Mm-hmm. So that's perfect for archers or gunslingers, which is another like just wacky new class. That thing is so funny. And then I also had like a- another one that was like, Oh, when you're on the ground, you do more. 
So I like that one of the archer's special abilities is making this ivy platform just in the middle of air. So I was just doing that and just wailing on these guys and doing a ton of damage. And it was a lot of fun. I like the archer a lot. Very cool. Oh uh, yeah, that's like I said, that sounds awesome. It's about it both sounds awesome and looks cool. But I, mm-hmm. as I've watched you play it, I'm like, oh, that looks like a lot of fun. And then, like I said, when I when I have seen the total, <laughs> like the amount of stuff that there is to interact with in the game, as you're kind of setting up to start a run or whatever, I'm like, eh, maybe not for me. <laughs> you can even just but ignore half of it. Like you don't even have to do any of that. Well, that's stuff. that's fair. And like to to the games that have that kind of stuff in it, like that's absolutely how I play like Souls like Souls S games. Like mm-hmm. I compartmentalize where, like I said, that. The parts of those games for me is just like refining my loop, mm-hmm. like my because you don't have timing to, on parries yeah. and my ability to roll good and like you don't like, have like to unlock all weapon. the classes. They're on the tree. You can completely ignore them. Mm-hmm. They're all like from what I've seen, like because a lot of the nodes expand off each other because you are technically building up this castle, like visually on top of like just building this tree. So as you get farther along different routes, like as you buy more upgrades, it will expand that. You could just skip them and have a few, like a smaller pool of classes to pick from if you want to just like hyper focus. And I feel like I've noticed, like, it's not guaranteed, but most of the times when you end a run, an air of that same class is almost always there. And you do have options to re roll your airs at least once. I think you can upgrade that to more. And I had seen something on my castle recently that will give you more options to pick from right off the bat. So you can just like, Really just pick, because like I said, the more experience you get with one particular class, the better they just get. Mm -hmm. They're leveling up like a Pokemon, and doing that will then make that class better, and then you can just literally perfect one if you really wanted to. Neat. Okay. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Which, again, I think is something that is new in this game. I don't think there was like specific class leveling in the last one. Could have been. I don't remember. Sure. That's very cool. Well, yeah, I'll be looking forward to... You may may have finished that by the time we record again. We'll see. We'll find out. See, it depends on how good I get. Right. There how, is how, a, how hard those last two yeah. bosses are or whatever. Um, you, you think there is a for pretty me? good... Um, well, there's six, and then there will be a final boss. Because okay. each boss is unlocking part of this golden door, which is right at the start of the game. It's literally the first room you're in is the final boss door. Mm-hmm. And if it is anything like Rogue Legacy 1, once you beat that boss, there are challenge versions of every boss that is then unlocked where you go at least in the first one you go in with a very specific character they have made this character for this fight for you not always in the best way they are very hard i did not beat any of those bosses or i maybe beat one but i really liked that kind of mix up on it where it was like oh like you can come into these other fights however you want but if you want to do these harder guys like you're gonna do it this way and you're going to like it, which is cool. Right on. That sounds cool. Well, yeah, I'll be looking forward to hearing more of it in the future. It's kind of fun. I'm glad <laughs> we're dipping our toes into th- a few things that aren't Destiny, <laughs> that are still other video games that are... Uh... Mm-hmm. And like I said, I, I do enjoy venturing into the like quote-unquote like big indie space, I guess. of like Cellar, cellar door games? Yeah, I, cellar I door games. That's okay. a two-person studio. Yeah. Because um, regardless of anything else... Rogue Legacy is pretty impressive, especially yeah. that second one. And uh, you know, I don't know if that that's still just literally two people's ever. I suspect they contracted a decent amount of it out, which is fine. Yeah. You just you know have the luxury to do that when yeah. you make enough money that Absolutely. you can <laughs> you can spend it on people's labor, which is super sick. So good for them for mm-hmm. fucking taking sure some of their success and putting it back into the next thing. Like I respect the shit out of that. But in any case, yeah, you can check you can check that, and then I think we might wrap up the show. I think next time I'll talk about Hi Fi Rush a little bit. I'll just say right now that I've Hi Fi Rush is a uh, Toronto. Hi-Fi Rush is a uh, a game that just came that got announced and released on the same day as the Xbox little developer showcase thing. Mm-hmm. It's a rhythm-based Devil May Cry-esque action combat game, and it's really neat. I've only played like an hour of it. I'm gonna play some more of it, and then next time we talk about stuff, I'll probably have more thoughts on it. But it seems mm. super cool. It's very cartoony, uh, very silly. I kind of dig it. For something that came out of literally nowhere, of like, oh, this game <laughs> went from being announced to existing over the course of like three hours. <laughs> it's really, really neat, and that's made by it, it's credits both Bethesda and Tank Tango GameWorks, I think. Which that's like Bakami's. He's like the um. He worked at Capcom back in the day, so I believe he worked on like Beautiful Joe and Devil May Cry and mm-hmm. uh some of the Resident Evil stuff. Even I think, yeah. It looks <laughs> like they have um brought on a lot of people. In more recent years, but it was it was founded by 
two different people in his cellar store teams. Yeah, he's got fingers in basically like most big Capcom projects up to a point <laughs> in the 2000s before he went solo. But yeah, I don't I don't know what the breakdown is in that game in terms of development. I suspect that that's kind of like a Smash Brothers relationship where like mm. probably the Japanese side of that team is doing the design part and the and the Bethesda side side is most likely doing implementation. But I don't know that. But in any case, whatever. However, they broke that labor down. It seemed like it worked out for them. My my impression so far is that Hi-Fi Rush seems very very mm-hmm. cool. But with all that said, Lorraine, unless you have anything else to throw out, I think we might call it a show. Yeah, I don't think I do. In the modern era of the Cubecorn Games pod- podcast, I try to keep these things under an hour for <laughs> <laughs> me to edit because I've gotten true. much deli- more deliberate about yeah. editing in terms of like trying to cut out pauses and ums <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> And it's more digestible for like sure. people like, you know, I still hope that as we play people's like other small developers games, they end up checking out the show and at least, you know, if they only want to listen to the part yeah, where we talk about their thing, bite. it's pretty easy to find. It's not yeah. like hidden in a three hour mass of words. Yeah. Well, you also do like a kind of timestamp. Yeah, video, I have so. been. But again, that requires like, yeah. <laughs> when I was editing the podcast less, I didn't even know where timestamps occurred when I was more yeah. free and loose about it. And now I have to edit it to find where the timestamps are. Mm-hmm. But it's made for a better product. Yeah, I think it's made I for tight, so. tighter, better shows. So yeah. Sorry, I rambled about Roblox. They dope for so long. No, it was great. Like I said, that was a really good conversation. <laughs> I'm glad we had it. So yeah, we're going to call it a, a podcast. Woo-hoo. If you've, We're going to be streaming more stuff. Yeah. If you've got a game that you have made or are working on and want to share or you just see something that looks cool send it to us at podcast at cubicorngames.com uh, you can find us on twitter twitch youtube where we post all our stream archives mm-hmm. people making games mastodon and co-host at cubicorn games we're at cubicorn games pretty much anywhere you can think of mm-hmm. and uh with all that said stay safe out there internet yeah have a good couple of weeks and we will be back with more Cubicorn Games podcast in the not-too-distant future. Bye! So long.